Hello, Robert. Hello, Hugo. So, um, it's uh, the end of times, as we know. And <laughs> I think this is already starting well. Uh, we're both uh, white males in their 30s. So, obviously, we're going to talk about all video games today. I think it's uh, the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Probably the only thing we can do right now, instead of you know going outside and seeing people, uh, and so this is uh, this is basically it. The the, the gist of this uh, this new podcast uh, in English with my beautiful accent, um, <laughs> and so yeah, this thing is called SVGA. It's uh, like I said, a new thing. We try something and we'll see where it leads. And so, yeah, could for, be fun, could be terrible. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, probably terrible. It's annoying, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, maybe it'll end up being uh, perfect. Like, uh, like a certain president says, uh, we'll see what happens. So, um, yeah, we're this week, this for this first episode, we're discussing uh, a really obscure game. I don't think anybody has heard about it. <laughs> Uh, what have we played this week, Robert? We've played Half-Life. Very, very niche, um, <laughs> niche PC game. Yeah. Uh, don't it didn't really go very far. Didn't make much of a splash. Nobody's yeah. heard of it or really thought of it since it came out, and uh, which seemed like a good place to start. Yeah, no cultural impact whatsoever. No legacy. No. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> no. Of course. Uh, giant video games empire that came out of this uh, nothing it's uh... <laughs> no. Uh, no, of course we're, we're we're full of shit it's probably the i'd say one of the most important pc games you know well well one of the at most... least of the 90s yeah it's well I already i'm already hearing the doom fans are screaming uh but yeah it's I'd say it's one of the yeah, like you said, one of the most important. Maybe not the. It's probably yeah. The, uh, maybe the the second most important shooter ever, on on PC at least on the first person shooter type, uh, with the uh, an incredible cultural impact, uh, and with of course uh, a galaxy of memes, references, and jokes, and everything else. Um, and it, its legacies continue up to until today. I mean, Alex VR, Half Life, Alex VR uh, came out a few weeks back, I think. Uh, and so it's been nearly what twenty-two? It's twenty-two years now since Half Life came out in ninety-eight. God, twenty-two years. Yeah, uh, it's uh, like we've discussed before. Uh, the, the, when a game is old enough to vote, you see, you know, it's a vintage one. Um, old enough to vote, jeez, it can it can drink in the U.S. Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, Half Life is. Uh, we're gonna talk about specifically Half Life One today because it is, there's a lot of stuff to say about the Half Life series. Uh, I and I really don't think we have the, uh, the time today to go through it all. I mean, there's. Uh, Two main games, two expansion, uh, no, four expansions, including episode one and episode two, and yeah. of course uh, everything else. The the, the 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 
related games with Portal and and, and so on and so on. Um, but yeah, like I said, Half-Life 1 uh, came out in 98. By, uh, at the time, what was a really little studio called Valve. And uh, the, the funny thing is, I'm, I was looking on the uh, Wikipedia page uh, about Half-Life and it, it was published by Sierra Studios. Yeah. And so at the time, Sierra was, of course, really big. Today, it's, I don't even know if it exists anymore. Uh, That's a very good question. I I don't I I can't remember the last time I've seen a Sierra game. To yeah, be honest. I mean it was the same around the same time that um, uh, Homeworld came out, also published by uh, Sierra. So uh, Sierra, of course, from the uh, amongst many examples, but King Quest, for example, Space Quest, uh, Coil Cards. Yeah, yeah. So all these adventure games, for example, uh, from the early '90s, uh, was there some from the end of the '80s too? I don't, I don't remember. Maybe I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the, the, the one that I first remember is Hoyle, which was just like you know solitaire poker, mm -hmm. all kinds of basic like casino card games, and um, that may have been. Late ninety, late eighties, early nineties. It actually, I think, had an SVGA option, though. Oh, so, well. <laughs> well, that that's convenient for our podcast. Very important that we try and make at least one connection at an episode, and, yeah. and I think we've covered it there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, let's come back. Uh, let's come back to our life involved. Um, of course, it wasn't the first FPS. Like I said, I've talked about Doom. There was Wolfenstein before that. There was. Well, But I think is, and maybe you'll agree with, with me there, is the one thing, one of the many things that set off life apart from the other games, from the, 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 the great, the big names of the uh, FPS of the, the Hera, was, uh, I think, two things, maybe. One is the fact that there's no, no real cutscenes. In the nope. in the game, I mean, there's the 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 way the action is uh, presented to the player is that you are part of um, what we could call a, a cinematic experience. And right. Yeah. It, the whole thing happens in a a straight line, more or less. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's no a, like exit elevator or anything. No. I mean, well, there's some loading. I mean, there's plenty of elevators, but <laughs> yeah, but, there, but there's no like you don't hit the button and then you know black screen and yeah. then level two. Yeah, exactly, and you don't see yourself in the third person. Uh, it's always you're always in the in the suit in the the, the famous uh, HEV suit of uh, Gordon Freeman, who is a young scientist at the of the uh, age of 27. Which at the time was really old for me, maybe for you too, yeah. I guess. Uh, and now it's, um, and now we feel old when we think about Gordon Freeman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 odd to think that like Gordon Freeman is actually younger than I am now because I always just kind of pictured him as you know, oh, I'm playing this sort of old cat. Honestly, I always <laughs> kind of pictured him as middle aged. Maybe it was just the goatee. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was. I mean. And he has his PhD, so it's uh, he has 
the his, his entire career in front of him. Uh, I guess well, uh, seeing how it turned out, I'm not sure if it's a good thing or not. But <laughs> yeah, the way it turned out, he kind of has the universe in front of him now. But that's yeah. But but so yeah so th that was the, the first part of uh, the way that the, the the story is presented. Like I said, it's you, you're in for a ride. You don't have to step out. For example, of the, the this is this kind of box where you stand and where you're sitting, you can always turn around, not look at the uh, don't know the explosions or the monsters or the. The, the special effects and you can look at the ground and the, the stuff will happen anyway they won't the the game won't take your your eyes uh, and set and told you tell you you have to look at this exactly this right. at this time and which uh, is really it 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 seems it it's hard to believe now because everything yeah. seems sort of it's all like that or at least there's there's elements of that in in most modern games But at the time, it like it, no one had done it. it yeah. And and looking back, it, it seems so simple. Like I've been playing it for the last few days, and I haven't played all the way through it, spent that much time on it. But I played through a fair bit of it, and it's interesting how many elements of it that seem now to be it. It it does. It is a bit dated, not just graphics wise, but yeah. I mean. You know the number of hits it takes to break a box actually turned out to really irritate me after a while. <laughs> yeah, but there, the, the way that it is constructed was was at the time unbelievable, like really, truly, like revolutionary. Yeah, I mean, you you really feel that you're not only a character is part of something, but you are part of something. You're doing the stuff that's happening on the screen. And it's not, well, of course, there's a bunch of scripted action sequences, but when you, for example, you press a button and there's a, there's a, a sequence where you have to launch a rocket in, into space. Well, it's, right. uh, you're st when the rocket launches, it, you're still in the... Uh, I think what is a uh, it's a command center. I think. Uh, well, yeah. basically the pl the place where you push the button and you you stay there. You, there's no like once again no cutscene, no fade to black, uh, and there's a you have to take you can. I remember doing this, um, taking a step back because the uh, window is broken, and you fear you fear that you'll get you're gonna get burned by the the exhaust of the rocket because right. it, it happens before it, when you do um i think the the part with the uh three he three headed monster uh you have to to push you have to 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 act to activate a, a test uh function for an en a rocket engine and if you right. stay too close to the window you're going to get burned you're going to lose health points Yeah, even even earlier than that, actually, the first time you go to the surface and you think, "Oh, I'm I'm saved" or whatever, <laughs> yeah. um, it turns out you get to the you get to the surface. There's a bunch of soldiers there. You kill them, and then they start shelling you with artillery or something, and you have yeah. to jump back downstairs. But if you go too close to a vent opening, when you're getting bombed, you die, which yeah. I found out the hard way, <laughs> forgotten but, completely. And that's the. Um... 
the second thing, the second point I wanted to make is that the way that the environment reacts to you, the way that the enemies reacts to you and reacts to uh, other parts of the environment of our other enemies. There's a bunch of, of course, yes, there was uh, in Doom, for example, there was infighting between monsters. So demons started to attack other demons. But in, in Half-Life, it seems really, really organic in a way. And there's a bunch of stuff you can do, of course, in Half-Life 2, which has a better graphic engine and, and so on. But uh, you can set some uh, barrels on fire. And I think this is mostly from Half-Life 2, but the, the point stands is that you can act on the environment to uh, attack other creatures instead of just shooting, right. for example, at a creature that's called the barnacle that has a long, a long tongue, basically. And uh, if you get stuck in the tongue, it just drags you up and starts attacking you. You can, if you set something on fire, the, the creature or even if it's debris or a corpse or whatever, the creature is going to drag this thing up and try to eat it. And it can also happen to uh, other enemies. They're going to get killed by the... Uh, because the mindset was, I think, at the time, okay, everything that's not me is friendly between themselves the enemies won't attack them right. uh, and like i said it happens in doom but it's mostly uh, i i feel like it's it was mostly a problem of scripting maybe and now it's supposed to work that way if you know what i mean yeah and it it feels like oh yeah like the the soldiers will fight the aliens yeah in ways that that make sense or the you know the the turrets will shoot at you know they'll shoot at you they'll shoot at the aliens but yeah. i don't think they shoot at the soldiers no which like you talk about you can sort of play them against each other where you you know you hit one of the trip lasers and it takes care of the aliens and then you just have to take out the turret which is it it adds an element of just you're not just trying to um you're not just trying to shoot everyone and you're not just trying to solve a puzzle yeah there's there's a there's a tactical element or like a, a a critical thinking element that that works organically in a way that isn't just like a, a set piece yeah. battle or a set piece puzzle there's a you can you can kind of work in the world in in a way that is if not realistic at least a little more kind of thought out Exactly. We'll we'll come back we'll come back to the puzzles. Um, but I just <laughs> I'm looking at the time now. It's it's been fifteen twenty minutes, and we still haven't talked about the plot of the game. <laughs> no, so, we haven't. Uh, and, and it it is an interesting plot because it sets the table for everything else after, that comes afterward. Um, Maybe I'll just go and try to to summarize the uh, the thing. Is uh, like I said, you're, you're playing Gordon Freeman, who is um, uh, who has his PhD in theoretical physics, and who works as a lab assistant in a place called Black Mesa, which is a super secret, super advanced research base in the uh, uh, the American desert. Uh, I don't know if right. it's Nevada, maybe. It. 
I, I'm not sure if it's Nevada well, New or New Mexico. I think it actually might be New Mexico, yeah, but yeah. It, it's one of those sort of, you know, it's, I think it's, I don't know if it's explicitly said that it's a government program, but it's certainly government funded because I know that they, the scientists at one point are like, well, there goes our grant money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so, so yeah, so you work there and there's this sequence at the beginning of the game, uh, which is at the time felt quite long and today feels uh, as well one part tech demo and one part a, a really good use of uh, some downtime to do some exposition but so yeah. so yeah so you have this this tram ride where you go to work basically and what happens is you're supposed to do an experiment where you basically push a cart which is why you studied to get a PhD, I guess. <laughs> and, and so everything goes wrong, of course. And it's yeah, you, you put some kind of crystal into a laser beam electric yeah. thing of some sort and uh, opens up a portal to another dimension Yeah, in the worst possible way. Yeah, so what they call a resonance cascade, which is fancy term to say, shit hits the fan and <laughs> everything's going wrong um and so yeah what what this does is basically this like you said open open opens up a portal to uh, uh another dimension and, and so these uh, bunch of alien races uh, start starts coming in the base and well you later discover that they are all enslaved to some kind of overseer uh some kind of floating big baby adult <laughs> it's yeah. it's really weird but but so yeah so you, and you have to uh basically it's it, this causes chaos in the base and you have to well get some help and I yeah mean, uh, yeah the the your goal is never really really goes beyond well you kind of first have to go get help and then you're maybe trying to stop it and then yeah. you're you know in the other dimension and it's well yeah because ultimately stopping it means killing this huge creature um well this is really really at the end of the game but at, at first like you said you have to get help and then oh they're soldiers and they're gonna help us well no it's so, <laughs> no they're they're there to kill everyone because it's because it's gone so badly they don't want you know the world to find out yeah and then there's some special ops people like coming in to kill everyone including the soldiers and it's getting worse and worse and worse and mm. then eventually yeah you go to the alien dimension and start exploring uh, a part of the game that is up to this day uh, subject to fierce debate as for its quality um because you have all this i think i think the game takes me it's been a while since I, i've played the original version but six to eight hours maybe to go through if yeah, i'm right. playing on normal I, difficulty i put in a good sort of two and a half maybe hours and i wasn't i, I was taking it kind of slow and at one point i got lost because <laughs> um, actually one of this the, the things that this game has that modern games don't have as much is the kind of the ability to get lost or yeah. not really know exactly where because there's no there's no you know compass with a waypoint direction or anything yeah just, you you cannot press a key to have a line drawn on the floor 
uh, towards your objective. They they had this in Dead Space, I think, um, and it was useful in the game. But yeah, it's Uh, mm-hmm. Like you, you talked about a compass, um, there's no, of course, there's no fast travel. For example, it's not an RPG, but there's no, uh, mm-hmm. there's no tip toolbar. Uh, maybe that's not the right word. The right word, sorry. Uh, but there's no tool tip. There we go. There's no tool tip on the screen saying, "Oh, you have to go this way. You have to activate this." Uh, yeah, you, you don't you don't have objectives that you're trying to solve. You're just trying to keep moving forward, and yeah. sometimes that involves pressing a button sometimes it's killing something sometimes it's just you know not getting your head taken off an event fan <laughs> yeah, exactly and usually it's uh, pretty straightforward but there's a uh, i remember there's some parts including uh well there's a lot of parts where you are on uh on rails basically there is small platform on rails and you have to go through uh, uh, something that looks like a maze and I remember the old version uh, it's really easy to get lost you have to figure out the, the right way to navigate the tracks and if you don't know what you're doing you can spend uh, no no an hour in this which is which sucks because it's not a really good part of the game um, and They did the same thing with Half-Life 2, where it's uh, a tech. Uh, it's also a tech demo where oh, you can. We have all this these cool effects, uh, stuff that is floating in the water that you you can activate, and then oh, it's it raises a platform, um, and it's. Uh, you talked about this at the beginning. It's. Uh, it's old now it's an old tech old graphics tech and it doesn't always work the way it's intended to do um and so sometimes you you know what you have to do but you're there and saying really do you really <laughs> do you really do i really have to carry this box over there and uh don't know if you remember that part there's a uh, a place at the near the beginning where you have to, to drag a box across the ground in the yeah. uh, in the office complex and the way that it works is if your computer is too fast the box will just zip on the floor just gonna go at the <laughs> at the end of the hallway and you have to try it all over again and this this all these all these little things um or for example the fact that when you start the game you end uh, after your tram right after you all have all this exposition you arrive at your stop and the guard the security guard comes at the the door of the the tram and pushes buttons to unlock the, the the door basically and if you look closely When he presses the buttons, he makes the beep sound with his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know what was the graphical limitation there uh, 22 years ago. Uh, but yeah, if you, <laughs> you really look closely, you can see. And it happens a few times because he has to open a bunch of doors. Uh, but yeah, the, he makes the beep sound with his mouth. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, there's It's- a... Th- There's a bunch of stuff that is uh, that shows the age of the game, unfortunately. Yeah, and it, it's also interesting though because it 
still has a um, a training scenario, which have kind of mostly been phased out by now, I, yeah. I find, in most games. But it also has kind of the train you as you go along in a lot of things, where there'll be sort of smaller puzzles, like with the boxes, yeah. that that are teaching you a mechanic of the game before it gets really difficult. Yeah, because today I think... Well, I, I don't. We I, I I don't think we see a lot of FPS games with puzzle mechanics uh, these days. There's puzzle game, of course, uh, but usually it's some platforming stuff, and you don't. Well, first of all, you don't really see platforming in the first person anymore. I don't think. Yeah, there's not a lot of like jump from box to box or. Yeah. God forbid, climb a bunch of ladders in a sequence. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 those damn ladders, man. Um, I've, I think I've seen some platforming in the latest Doom game, but it looks like something that's been a bit tacked tacked on instead of being developed entirely for the game. Uh, but it's nothing compared to Half Life, where there's a bunch of places uh, where you have to be nearly pixel perfect to not make something blow up, for example. Or, yeah, you, you've, you've talked about the ladders. It's it's both uh, a testament to the uh, the fluidity, I'd say, of the game, where you can go up and down ladders while shooting or just not looking at the place where you want to go. Or uh, you can jump from ladders effortlessly. But it's also... Sometimes you can just fail to grab uh, uh, to grab said ladder and just fall to your death. And it's, yeah. it's some, there's a bunch of stuff that is really hit or miss. Um, I've talked about not wanting to, to blow something up. There's a, there's a, a sequence uh, a bit later in the game where you end up in the building and you have this NPC that says, oh no, the don't remember exactly what he says, but they're gonna be careful. Do not blow the stuff up. And in this game, there's a bunch of times where you see some trip mines. So the, basically, an explosive device set on a wall on the floor with a laser coming out. And just to get rid of it, you stand back, you take out your end gun, and you shoot the the thing, and it's gonna blow up, and everything's gonna be fine. And so uh, you're at that place, and you see. I remember perfectly that the first time I, I was there I said oh, okay that's easy it's another just another bunch of mines and so picks up my handgun and just starts shooting and the mine blows up but everything else in the building blows up including it seems uh, a nuclear bomb so right <laughs> and you have all these sequences where you have to use a all the skills that you got from the training session. Um, jumping, being sneaky, uh, the famous duck jump. Which oh, is, that uh, duck jump. The physically impossible, I think. <laughs> I remember the first time through the training thing that even in the training scenario had a lot of difficulty just like even getting the con. Like, why am I doing this? Why does it work like this? <laughs> But but it's it's useful. I mean, in especially in the end of the game, 
But yeah, the duck jump is, I mean, today it's so easy. It's control space. Um, but yeah, it's, it requires um, a lot of practice. And it's yeah, like, and, and it, it took very precise timing too. It wasn't, it wasn't very forgiving. Like if you screwed it up, you were done. Yeah. Yeah. You have to try again. And, and so there's all these, all these sequences. Once again, I've talked about the, the, the tech demo aspect is like, Oh, look at what we can do with our game. And it's fine. But once again, 22 years later, it's dated a bit. Um, yeah. and I mean, so, so, so yeah, so <laughs> I think we, we, I feel we're just going in multiple directions at once. Uh, <laughs> in this um but so, so yeah so half-life is it's so i, I don't want to say so unique because well i think it is uh, i don't know what you think about this but i don't i haven't seen another game like half-life and besides of course the other half-life games but yeah to to this day uh, up to this day i mean it's a half-life game you don't see it it's not call of duty it's not a platforming game it's not an rpg um so it's a bunch of things put together with duct tape i think maybe on some <laughs> on some levels <laughs> uh sometimes it's uh you have to know exactly what you're doing. You have to, like I said, be pixel perfect to do some stuff. Sometimes it's frustrating. They tried to use uh, some effects on the textures to uh, give the impression, for example, that that it was some icy surface. And right. you're just getting like a madman and just swearing in front of your computer because it's <laughs> it's bad. Yes. Um, but there's a there's a way to it that you don't see you don't really see in any other game. No, I, I think that's I think that's right. Like there's nothing quite like it in the same combination of, you know, blastaway shooter kind of long arc story bunch of puzzle but not an RPG and it's all it's a it's a very specific mix and it it doesn't it, it doesn't really fit into any category and that's before we even get into kind of all the mods and other things yeah. that that sort of sprouted out of it which which I don't think had really happened before like I I know games I had played previously like Quake 2 had done some mods, but that was mostly just sort of new online maps and different yeah. skins and things. Um, Duke Nukem 3D actually had, you know, some mods, but it was very limited in kind of what you could do. Yeah. Whereas this kind of opened up like uh, a, a whole box of things that that were really like, I mean, Counter-Strike, yeah. uh, Day of Defeat... Um, Team Fortress. Team Fortress. Which was Team Fortress a Quake mod originally? Uh, I think it was. I think it was. But I remember playing it, uh, the original one, not not Team Fortress Two. Um, 
I remember playing it after playing off after completing Half Life. I think it was a version for Half Life, and I think that the, the fact is, the fact is that you cannot really take Half Life and not talk about Steam, which is no. today, which is a behemoth of video games, and you can buy games and sorry, we can play games online on, on multiplayer and etc. But at the time, it was this small greenish app yeah uh, and, and i think i i think i remember it coming out basically to because there was an anti-cheat stuff with it yeah. and it was to i think it was for the launch of um by this point valve had bought i think some of the mods like counter-strike yeah and a couple others and it was to kind of give them a way to get updates out to everyone i think my brain tells me it was the 1.6 version of Counter-Strike, which I may be pulling that number just straight out of my butt. But <laughs> it it was, at the time, it was just kind of a sort of server finder, anti-cheat, you know, update delivery service, which looking back was, you know, when I think back to what it took to update things and to yeah. sort of, you know, you'd... you'd go and log onto a server and all of a sudden like nothing is working you can't connect to anything um and now we're talking multiplayer but all of a sudden things would not work and you wouldn't know why until you realize like oh there's been some kind of update and you had to go find it yeah. install it and now i think in large part thanks to steam that is all just so seamless like it, yeah. it just it, and that's before you get into like the the way they're able to sell things and you know that's kind of evolved along with consoles and all sorts of stuff but that kind of came out of this like weird unwieldy mass of mods and updates and all mm -hmm. sorts of stuff to sort of bring it into one place and and give it that seamlessness and you you kind of lost some things when that happened you lost some of the sort of wild west nature of it all but at the same time it makes life so much easier in many ways yeah, and today, uh, well, for a few years now, there's the workshop uh, section of Steam where you can uh, submit your mods and subscribe to mods. And uh, remember seeing um, instruction, installation instructions for both, for example, a physical copy of a game and for a Steam, Steam version. And for the Steam version, you only had to subscribe. And for the physical copy or a game you bought on GOG, for example, or another place, um, you had to, of course, download the download the mod. And there was sometimes 10, 15, 20 steps uh, yeah. to install this thing. And, and yeah, it's all, it's really all connected because, yeah, it's, it's, it's a way to, not only the game was fluid, but I think Valve knew that if they wanted to keep their player base in one place and eventually sell them, well, Half-Life 2 and Team Fortress 2 and Contrast, all these versions of Counter-Strike, um, they had to keep them uh, in, a, in, one, in one place specifically, in one, on one marketplace. And I, I, I remember there was a, a lot of pushback at the time. People felt that they were constrained. 
and a lot of DRM issues. Yeah, exactly. And today, it's there, there's a still this feeling uh, in some circles that oh well, you buy a game on Steam and it doesn't really belong to you. You buy the right to play the game, and it's the the if tomorrow Valve decided to close down Steam. Well, you could lose your entire library. Uh, I think there's a there's a there's a line somewhere in their service agreement where they say if this thing happened, you'll be able to download all the stuff that you bought. But I don't think it's ever going to shut down. Well, not right. for for a few years at least. Uh, yeah, I I think that that argument I think held a lot more sway at least with me personally. Like it, it made a lot more sense to me sort of before steam became kind of like you know the the standard yeah because now it's it's not just like a way of getting things it is the way of getting like it is you know the the main way primary of things, yeah. way of getting a pc game and at the time it was uh, basically an honor to be featured on steam and today, I think there's five to six thousand games a year on that platform. <laughs> a bunch of crap, of course, but yeah, if you're not on Steam today, you have a problem. Or maybe you've been bought out by Epic Games, but that's a a whole other story. Um, I want to come back to to our life. You talk maybe quickly about the uh, the expansions because at the time. Um, contrary to today, where you basically buy a DLC and or a season pass or any stuff like that you had these um fully featured expansions well I, was it really fully featured i don't remember but you um, had I, yeah i think it was fully like you yeah. i believe you needed the original yeah to play them but um but they were i, I actually played a little bit of opposing force recently mm -hmm. which was the first of them where essentially you come back as a soldier yeah and you get dropped in this thing and it's interesting in the in the opening part you actually go through you're you're flying in a plane and you you go through this canyon and you you recognize parts from the original game where at some point as gordon freeman you're going to be in these things and yeah i, I don't think you ever directly cross paths but you uh, kind it of it happens once you can see um where in the original game, Gordon's is uh, trying to go to Zen, which is the alien dimension. There's all this whole apparatus to basically teleport you to the the other side. And right at the end, where uh, when you're being attacked by flying aliens or shooting fireballs, for, anyway, uh, <laughs> and you run uh, on the ledge to jump into the, the portal. And when you play Opposing Force, there's a, a, a brief sequence where you see Gordon Freeman jump into the portal. You're just, you always come in 30 seconds too late uh, right. to do anything. But, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it was a way, once again, never really seen before, where you play the, the bad guy uh, if you want, and then just see the um, the other side of the story. Yeah, and I think I, I remember the first time I played through it, I really enjoyed it. Like it was opposing force, at least was done really well, and it added a few things to the game, like um, 
medics and engineers, just basically NPCs that fought alongside you and had different roles, added a few weapons, and and, and basically just added another layer to the story that was that was interesting and um, still quite fun to play without getting too sort of repetitive or shitty. Yeah, it was, well, they had new enemies, new tactics, you can control a squad, uh, new weapons, of course, and it was developed by a little studio called uh, Bit, uh, Gearbox Software. I don't know if you, <laughs> you've heard about them. Uh, of course, they didn't do anything important after that um <laughs> last but, they were heard of so but 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 yeah so there's and of course we have to maybe talk about blue shift um where where you play the um the security guard called barney and this is a, a running guy because in half-life one barney is uh, one of many copies of itself um, basically a, a, a generic NPC who just helps Gordon uh, from time yes. to time. And basically cannon fodder who yeah, exactly. will kind of save you a little bit of ammo if you let him do most of the shooting for a while. Yeah, and he can help you open doors once or twice, I think. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah so, and in Blue Shift, you play as, as Barney. Uh, but the funny thing is, in Half-Life 2 and after that, there's this whole lore thing about, oh, Barney's your friend, he owes you a beer. It's been, what, 20 years now since yeah. between Half-Life 1 and 2. Um, and then it's this whole personality, this whole character that is developed around, which was basically a name and... Uh, nondescript appearance so yeah so 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 yeah blue shift is really really shorter than uh of life and opposing force and i can't even remember if i've ever played it i know i have it in steam but i i don't it's not remember it it's not really good it's <laughs> i don't think that i think that the, the main appeal of blue shift at the time uh i remember getting this this pack um, I was always late playing Off-Life. Uh, I never played it at the, when it came out. I didn't have the computer for it anyway. But a few years later, I just bought this pack, including, uh, well, basically the entire box set of Off-Life, Opposing Force, Blue Shift, and I think Counter-Strike. Yeah, I think it came with one of those, yeah. Yeah, and so Blue Shift had this weapons pack, um, which was called, quote-unquote, HD, and so it, it changed all the weapons. So you went right. from, uh, I think, uh, a submachine gun to an M16 and, and stuff like that. The, the shotgun was really, really louder and felt more powerful, the, the, the submachine gun too. Um, and I think that was the main appeal of, of, of Blue Shift because besides that, it's, what, three hours long maybe? Four, perhaps? Yeah. yeah, and if I played it, it definitely wasn't very long because it, it didn't I didn't spend enough time with it to for it to make an impression, so that, that makes total sense. But yeah, so we've talked about a bunch of stuff about, <laughs> of course, about Off-Life. Um, I think the, the, maybe the most important thing is even if the game has its flaws and there's a bunch of them, 
the way that it was not only presented, uh, like I said, with the, the story arc uh, and the way that the, the story is given to you instead of, uh, well, you, it's not really given to you, it's, you're living it instead of being yeah. force-fed. Um, and the way that the enemy is interacted with the environment and with, with yourself, they were... Uh, they could set traps, they could attack you with grenades, they could flank you, uh, especially the soldiers. Um, all of this, and with the, with the universe, of course, with this invasion from an end dimension, there's a bunch of stuff um, about uh, parallel worlds and this mysterious figure called the, uh, the G-Man with the, the, the suitcase. Um, all of this combines to create one of the maybe long-lasting legacy of the video game history. There's a bunch, of course, there's franchises like, uh, I think I've talked about it before, but Call of Duty or Medal of yeah. Honor, there were 5, 10, 15 titles in the series. But if you look at the Half-Life franchise, um, it's still follows the same uh the same arc the same universe yes. and yeah, they, they feel they they're they feel connected yeah and and it, it's it it's kind of more than the sum of its parts Be, like you talk about the flaws and stuff and there are, there are several but yeah. it the way it all holds together and and kind of I don't want to say elevates video games, but it, it, it makes it something more tangible or maybe a little less frivolous than previous games. I don't, I, I think there's a, there's a way there's a, there's, a, there's a, some aspect of it that is obviously uh, tainted by nostalgia. I don't yes. know if someone, uh, Young, younger person perhaps picking up off life today will feel the same way of course we felt about it uh, more than 20 years ago but I think especially if you consider for example um, Black Mesa which is of course the name of the science complex but also the name of a, a fan project that uh, took the original Half-Life and recreated it in the Source engine, which is basically the engine, the graphics engine used in Half-Life 2 and so on. Um, it took nearly 10 years to complete, I think, and now it's officially released. Um, if you take this, and I think you could become in, as invested, as interested in the Half-Life universe than if you had picked it up 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. Because the graphics, if you take, once again, the original Half-Life today, there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't really work. Uh, the graphics, of course, are dated. Um, Lighting doesn't really work. It's, yeah. it's, it's, you, it feels its age. Yeah, but once again, if you take... I think one, the only thing it took was uh, maybe a new coat of paint with Black yeah. Mesa, which is not only a coat of paint, but it's the, the, the same, I have the same feeling, the same 
I don't want to say Glee because it's <laughs> it's quite uh, it's quite a depressive game. It's, yeah, when you really when you really think about what's going on, it's uh, quite bleak. Yeah, but if you if you want to go back, if you want to discover it for yourself, maybe it's better to uh, pick up Black Mesa, which isn't really a one for one recreation of Half-Life, of course. They changed a bunch of things. They added, st added stuff. They removed parts that were too long, too complicated, too tedious. But I think it's a, it's a great way to, uh, once again, get in the universe and then maybe play Half-Life 2. I mean, you, can't, you could just pick up Half-Life 2 and play it. Uh, but there's a, lots of references, lots of stuff. Uh, that you're maybe gonna miss. Yeah. And... It, yeah. Go ahead. No, Sorry. Yeah. You you don't really have the same sort of feel for the world you're being dropped into because in Half Life Two you're dropped into this sort of dystopian future that um, that if you play the first one, it's like oh wow this is what we did. Yeah. That it it that adds something that the that Half-Life 2 on its own, which is a extremely good game on its own, yeah. but if you played the first one, it adds this layer of like, oh wow, things really went badly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, Robert, I think this, um, for this, this first try, this first episode of um, SVG, I think it went quite good, quite well. Um, I think we're gonna, maybe going to end it there because we we could talk on and on about, of course, Half-Life and the uh, Half-Life 2. And uh, maybe we could, in a future episode, maybe we could talk about the uh, oh, this multiplayer aspect because we touched oh, yeah. on it a bit, but not really. Um, Which is, looking back, like where all of my time ended up getting spent, like if you look in relative terms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who didn't play Counter-Strike after coming back from school or played Team Fortress or played... Uh... I was actually in a clan where we would play at 5 in the morning. Oh, so wow. I got early. I only did this for like a month or two. It was a lot. <laughs> I can see why. Wow. It's... Yeah. It's... Uh, I, I cannot see myself today. I mean, maybe I do this. Sometimes I do this for work, but just getting up at 5 a.m., uh, we, we're old, Robert. I mean, we want oh. if we if we can sleep, we're gonna sleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and yeah, not even yeah. for matches, just for practice. Ugh. Oh God, <laughs> that's probably revealing a little too much about myself. But you know, that's yeah, what I mean, podcasts are about now. We all did mistakes in our past. We all <laughs> have our mistakes. But uh, so yeah, thank you very much to uh, for doing this with me. For this uh, once again first episode of this uh, SVGA podcast, and it's been, I, uh, it's been a pleasure. I hope we'll be able to do this again soon. Very and, soon. Uh, I mean, we've kind of got the time on our hands. Yeah, exactly. That's what I wanted to say. Uh, and for, of course, everyone that is listening, if you're still there, uh, I, I hope so. Uh, thank you for being there. And you'll be. I, I don't want to say you can find all the other episodes on our website because there's 
for now there's no other episodes but if you want to hear about movies if you want to hear about journalism there's a bunch of other stuff that we did on uh, pf.ca we're also on spotify we're on itunes and i don't want to miss one uh there's an on soundcloud yeah of course so thank you for being there and we'll see you next time